0: Hey, this is Michael Caju, and today we'll be mapping vulnerability in men on the 15 Minute Matrix.
1: Welcome to the 15 Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist, and your host. and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15 Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Michael Kaju, Michael lives in Austin, Texas, happily married to his wife, Adee, when they are not running Working Against Gravity, their online nutrition and coaching company, they are spending time snuggling their first child, Shy, and their labradoodle, Otis. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix.
0: Hey, Andrea. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure. And this topic, so interesting, vulnerability... It's a conversation that Brene Brown has certainly popularized, but I'm curious, has that memo been received by men?
0: I think it's being more and more received. I'm definitely in quite a bubble here in Austin, Texas, where just about every single one of my close friends is deeply entrenched in personal and spiritual growth. So I definitely see a lot of men that are you know, being more courageous, emotionally sharing what's going on inside of them. And if I'm just noticing what's happening in my family, which, which you know, people in Louisiana and other people that I grew up with, it definitely seems like we're headed in a positive direction when it comes to vulnerability.
1: It's so interesting. I always like to say viva la bubble cuz I live here in Portland, mm-hmm. Oregon where there's a bubble too oh, yeah. and <laughs> you're you're of a certain age as well. Do you think that the ability to embrace vulnerability comes with geography and also age and I don't, I don't know what else you're seeing is allowing for that to come forth?
0: Yeah, just like anything, I think we are so shaped by our environment and the fact that there are more young people that are practicing vulnerability, it makes, you know, in my own experience and and that of which I see in others, it makes us want to fit in in a different way, right? We always want to fit in with people around us and if the people around us are talking about their emotions and they're talking about their struggles in life, then our version of fitting in will be to do the same. So I definitely think that's the case with young people. And yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's happening across uh, across different ages. I can't really say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does make me wonder, Michael, if you've looked at all into how men have historically expressed vulnerability and it seems like there's just so much to unpack there in terms of the inability to be vulnerable because of certain roles or expectations societally
0: yeah i haven't done too much you know quote unquote looking into it in terms of the research or um you know, written history, but I think my own personal experience is very telling. I grew up in a very rural part of Louisiana, South Louisiana, and so my entire childhood, I w- it was ingrained in me that men do not share. And I know you've heard this; your audience has probably heard this, but men do not share anything outside of stoicism, anger the more quote-unquote tough emotions. There was no room for sadness, grief, guilt, even joy, right? Like showing too much joy, really being excited about something was also not something I saw a lot of. Um, you know, I come, I come from a really great family. My parents were really there for me in, in you know, the tough times that I went through as a teenager. And yet I didn't really see them model how to do this. I didn't see either of them model how to express things appropriately and to really talk about my own emotions.
1: It's really fascinating because I know in working with thousands of clients over the last decade plus that working with men is a completely different experience. And I actually had to train my team to work with men like what does that mean what's the mm-hmm. difference in the relationship because there was a different way we had to show up and i couldn't do it because i'm pretty alpha and can get into the sciencey place as opposed to like, I'm not going to say just holding the emotional place, but kind of the duality of the two. But I did recognize that most of my female students and clinicians on my team had to be trained into how to address that different mentality. And what you're sharing is that there's a possibility where there could be more openness nowadays. And I'm wondering how you see that in working with men. Yeah,
0: without a doubt. I've seen people. So, you know, a little glimpse into my history. I went to drug rehab when I was 17. Mm. And over the next five years, I spent hours every single day involved in something related to my own recovery. And along my path, I got to see people at the absolute bottom of the barrel of society. Mm. And... I saw those people really opening up and sharing themselves either in AA meetings or people that I was sponsoring, opening up and then really growing to have a thriving life. So I, I saw it work for people at that level. What I'm saying is um, people opening up, right. it working, it working for people that really haven't gone through a whole lot of capital T trauma in their life and in fact I think people with you know great backgrounds that don't have any um, crazy history have a much easier time opening up Uh, a lot of times it's because they were it was modeled to them from their parents and they just don't have as much baggage to work through so I've certainly seen it work for hundreds of men that I've encountered
1: So it sounds like trauma can be a trigger one way or the other for either opening up or maybe being more guarded, dependent on myriad circumstances.
0: For sure. And I think it comes from the fact that whether we intend to or not, we create safety mechanisms, protective mechanisms. When things happen to us, when we are children, we create these strategies for protecting ourselves emotionally. If we were abused in some way, if we felt like we were abandoned, then we will subconsciously and sort of automatically create ways of soothing ourselves, right? If we had to relive the fact that our dad beat us every single day, that might really just destroy us completely. Mm-hmm. And so we create all of these mechanisms like withdrawing from social interactions. We form addictions to soothe ourselves. All of those things are just strategies to overcome some kind of trauma that happened in our life. And most of us have some version of it. I use the term capital T. That's like a, a buzzword going on right now. That might mean some kind of like serious abuse and then lowercase t might just be, you know, someone looked at you the, the wrong way and you took it really, really hard as a kid and it led to you, I don't know, acting out in some way. Right,
1: right. Yeah. So how do we kind of crack open? Is there a code for tapping into the vulnerability of the men in our lives i'm sure most people desire that with their partners or their children or fathers but also with our clients and patients
0: certainly i think with just like with many things in the communication realm it has to do with going first and so i would i would probably give the same advice for someone that wants a man in their life to open up, whether that's a, a partner or a client or whatever, I would give the same advice to actual men. Mm-hmm. And that's to lead with vulnerability first. There is so much waiting for the other person to go first mm-hmm. because it's it feels safer. Sometimes we feel that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to, quote unquote, hold space for them to open up. And what I've learned in my experience is that it is... So much more graceful, so much more effective to just open up first and show that person, you know, sitting across from you, that you are a safe place for them to open up to. Anytime I share a struggle or a challenge that I'm going through with anyone, it shows them that I'm human. It shows them that I have the same, you know, same or similar struggles to them. And it might give them permission to. Give a little bit in return. And I would also recommend just being really, really patient.
1: Mm, yep.
0: It takes a lot of time sometimes for people to start to open up. you know, yeah. if they've been living a certain way for thirty or forty years, they might want to you know have a deeper bond with you, have a, a, a more a deeper connection with you. and they might understand conceptually that to do that requires vulnerability but they literally just not have the skills yet. And it might just be too overwhelming. It may flood them too much to go to a really deep place really quickly. So I think by leading and making conversation with you a safe place by going first, and then just being really patient, um, I've seen that to work extremely well over time.
1: That's such good and solid advice and leads me to several other questions. The the first being if you can articulate what this does in the body, like in terms of being more vulnerable, is there a difference in the stress response you hold in how that impacts your, you know, even your sleep and your ability to receive like what's the difference that vulnerability does for you in your Mm -hmm, body mm -hmm.
0: so i definitely won't pretend to know the physiological response however i can i can definitely talk from direct personal experience so anytime i have some sort of guilt or shame especially something where i think I'm the only one that feels this and I'll, I'll, I'll bring a very specific example to this. I, I became aware about a year ago of feeling hyper competitive and I was having these thoughts that would pop up in my head and it it would sound like I'm better than you. And I became so ashamed of having those thoughts, Mm -hmm. so ashamed. and. I didn't, you know, usually I'm the type of person, I've been to so many therapists, I've done so much personal development work, I really consider myself to be a courageous person, someone that's always like, you know, sharing what's on his on his heart, and this thing, I just did not share, and I became more and more ashamed, and when I didn't share this, it caused constant tension in my chest anytime I would have any sort of thought related to this. So I would be more stressed if if it came up and I was around people that I was spending time with for the next, you know, however long, it was kind of on my mind. And so it really affected my level of presence. Uh, It led to social anxiety. I'm not sure that it affected my sleep much, but certainly more intense stories or more intense forms of shame can absolutely lead to, you know, terrible sleep and and physical issues. But this one definitely caused a lot of anxiety and just tension throughout mm-hmm. my body. Yeah. I had an experience where I finally coughed it up. I coughed it up to another man and basically he just started laughing at me. And he said, "Michael, first off, thank you for sharing that." And it sounds like to me, you're, you're just a a man and you, you have evolved for thousands and thousands of years to be hyper competitive. And I want you to know that what you're experiencing is normal. And I have those same thoughts and feelings Mm. and without going into a, you know, a really long story, I immediately had this huge weight off of my shoulders, you know, and this was, this was for sure one of the milder, like shameful things that have happened in my life, like shameful thought patterns. And it still cost a lot of my energy for a good year. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as that was off of my chest, I felt like I was a normal human being again. And there, part of the reason I share that is because getting the reflection from other people, and this is sort of the power of vulnerability. I think that one of the ways we develop self-love is by sharing ourselves authentically, including our challenges, the things we're ashamed about, our regrets, and then having it, having those things reflected back to us by other people in them saying, You're still okay. I still love you. I still accept you. And I trust you even more than I did before.
1: Hmm. Hmm, I love that. What a good example of the way that that is held internally and what that does physiologically to the body. Thank you for sharing that story with us. Final question for you, Michael, what makes you so passionate about helping other men to open up and really find their place of vulnerability?
0: I've seen the power that it has. I was uh, I was suicidal. I was depressed. I was anxious at 17 years old, and now I am one of the most free and I'm I'm one of the most free individuals that I see in my you know environment. I have a significant amount of inner peace, and I credit almost all of it to the work that I've done on my own mind. And vulnerability is at the crux of it. So I've seen, you know, if I have this belief, like if I can do it and I can achieve this feeling in my body and my mind on a daily basis, then anyone can.
1: So beautiful, Michael. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your wisdom with us today.
0: Thank you, Andrea.
1: The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website. 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, head on over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, please feel free to get in touch with us. We would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com.